This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Let's go, business storytellers. Hey, how's everyone doing? Today, we're going to talk about all the new, dare I call them, buzzwords. Web3, NFTs, the metaverse, you name it, we'll talk about it. But most importantly, why does anybody care? Why do we have to know what Web3 is? And what what's the difference between Web3 and Web3.0? Is there a difference? I, I don't know. I don't know, but I know who to ask. Brian Piper, he is the Director of Content Strategy uh, in Rochester, University of Rochester. Uh, and he's currently um, publishing um, an updated book with Joe Polizzi, who, of course, you still see in the intro to the show. So he's been on the show a couple of times um, talking about his latest endeavors, content strategy, content marketing, those kind of things. So why do we care? What do we need to know? And, you know, what's just... Which one of these are just buzzwords we don't have to worry about? Maybe none of them. We will find out in today's episode, episode 531 of the Business Storytelling Show. Brian, welcome. Thank you so much. Fist bump. If you're not watching our fist bumps and you're listening to podcast versions, hop on over to Spotify so you can see the magic in action. Brian, um, so tell me, Web3, why do we care? What is it? And you know, at the end of the day, what why do we why do we content strategists need to understand what it is? Absolutely. I, great questions, questions that I answer all the time. Basically, web three is just the next evolution of the internet. Web two, we you know, web one started off with we were just reading content that other companies' brands would put out for us. That was the beginnings of the internet. We were able to start purchasing things online. We could hear what brands were were telling us. And then Web 2 really became that read-write sort of concept. So now we had content management systems where we could create blogs and social media sprung up. And so now we really had the power to interact, to talk back, to complain when a brand didn't do what we wanted it to, or to be advocates or influencers when we were very supportive or impassioned by a brand or a company, or just by ourselves and wanted to put our own content out there. And then what Web3 enables is this idea of digital property. So actually being able to own digital assets. So we can own our own assets we can own our own data, and we can control the way that that is managed. So one of the central concepts in Web3 is this idea of decentralization. And the way I explain that to people is right now, like social media is very centralized. You put a piece of content up on Twitter. Twitter owns that content. They own the data around that content. They own who gets to see and how it gets distributed. So that's a very centralized model where all of that exists on their, in their environment. And so 
Web3 enables the idea of a decentralized model where there's no individual company that owns that data. That data can live on the blockchain, which is, I think of it as just a database, but it's a database that's spread across multiple networks that doesn't exist within a single server. It's not owned by anybody. They can be managed by groups, but those groups all have to have a consensus about anything that's going to change on that platform. And it's transparent. It's public. It's accessible for anyone to go and see what transactions are happening on those blockchains. So it's just giving us as creators the ability to actually own our own assets, to control who sees them. I think a lot of the new technologies that are coming out around Web3 are going to change the way that we manage data. So we have the ability now to control our own data and to control who gets access to that data. And I think also having this, this digital ownership gives us the ability to share that ownership with our community. So it's going to affect the way that we build communities and that we grow our audiences. So I think there's a ton of different opportunities within Web3 technologies, but it comes down to the same principles. You have to understand your message. You have to understand your audience. Even if you're going to be doing content marketing in the metaverse, you have to know what the message is that you're trying to communicate. Now we're just going to have different ways that we can communicate those messages. It's very interesting. And of course, the metaverse is a whole different uh, topic. We hopefully have time to dive into a little bit here. Uh, but when you talk about owning, it's very interesting because today, a lot of the content that I consume even online, I don't really own any of it. I, you know, I buy a license. I mean, even I know people don't think about it this way, but I have all these Apple songs, Apple music songs on my phone. And I really just bought a license, right, to listen to them. I didn't buy the album like I did, you know, late 1980s when I had to take the subway to downtown Dusseldorf to buy the latest Guns N' Roses uh, album. Do you know what I'm saying? Today, I just buy a license to one or two or eight or 29 songs. Now, what's interesting about that, though, is that seems to work for me. I don't see any pain point today that I need to own those songs necessarily. In fact, if I wanted to own them, I wouldn't have given all my albums, you know, 20 years ago to my my parents and my sister, right? Yep. And but why is it important? What what is the use case to own things? And today I'm just going to be the old guy, the old grumpy guy Brian on the show today. And I see these people, they spend 10 grand or whatever it might be on some 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 picture of an ape. An ape I've never even seen. And I tell my wife, why do we need to spend $120 on pictures of my kids? They're my kids. Why in the world would I spend 10 grand on some colorful ape? Yeah, absolutely. That's And that's a great question. And a lot of the hype that occurred, especially last year around NFTs, the NFT market blew up. Uh, Beeple was a digital artist who sold a single piece of digital art for $69 million. So prices on some of these were outrageous for a while. Um, they're settling down a little bit now, but really the idea of the NFTs and NFTs are non-fungible tokens. So they're unique pieces of art. Basically fungible just means you can exchange it. So I have a dollar, I give you a dollar, you can give me a dollar, it's the same thing. It's an even exchange. That's a fungible uh, exchange of a fungible token. 
non-fungible is just a very unique piece. So one person has the opportunity to own that one piece of art. And so it started off as these unique pieces of art. And really what it's evolved into is an entryway into a community that you want to be part of. And that community can have different values for you. So the Board Ape community, for example, has turned into a large venture capital fund where they're using the finances that they've gained from selling of these images to start different projects, to create different opportunities for their members. And a lot of the NFT projects that I'm involved with, and you know, like I said, you've got to have a strategy behind it. If you're going to use NFTs, you have to have an NFT strategy. If you're going to use social tokens or creator coins, you have to have a strategy going into that to know what value, what benefits you're going to give to your community for holding those. And for example, uh, Joe Polizzi has a conference that he started this year. He launched for the first time the Creator Economy Expo, and he sold tickets to the conference as NFTs. So you could buy a lifetime pass to the conference as an NFT, and then you can hold it. You can go to the conference for years, and when you're done, you can sell it to somebody else. So that hold economy is an entirely different dynamic that changes the face of memberships. It changes the face of these event models. So instead of feeling like you went to the conference, you spent $1,000 to go, and at the end you walk away with whatever knowledge you gained out of that conference or whatever networking you were able to, to get a hold of there. But now, I mean, I, I bought one of these NFTs. I walk away from it with everything that I got out of the conference, and now I get additionally, I get to go back again for as long as I want, and then when I'm done going, I can sell that to somebody else, and hopefully the value will have increased because the conference will have proved itself to be a, an incredible resource. And then he's also created additional utility or additional value to this by providing networking opportunities just for people who hold this NFT. So the ability to own a digital asset and to use that to prove uh, you know, that, that you have that, that's provable on the blockchain, it's visible for other people to see, can provide all sorts of different opportunities. Um, and, and one of the things I talk about a lot recently is using NFTs and tokens as the CRMs of the future. So we know we're having issues with, you know, uh, third-party cookies, those are going away. We, we have to track data. It's, it's very messy how we track data, how we collect data. People are very hesitant to give up their data as they should be. But it's no coincidence that Salesforce, one of the largest CRM companies, created the NFT cloud platform where they're helping brands establish NFT projects so you go into a website in the future, it may just be a white page with a button on it that says, connect your wallet, and you connect your wallet, and based on what wallet you connect and what NFTs or what assets you have in that wallet, what data you want to attach to that wallet and share with them, they can give you a personalized experience. So if you want to go buy shoes, you could leave the information in your wallet for your shoe size, your favorite colors, other clothes you've bought, other sites you've visited. 
but that would be your choice as to what data you would share. And then they would be able to pull in that data and provide you with a personalized experience specific to what information you decided to give them. So it really, that digital ownership really puts a lot of the power back in the hands of the consumer. And as creators, it puts power back in our hands because we can figure out where we want to distribute our content, how we want to reward our community for consuming our content or sharing our content. So lots of new ideas, lots of new opportunities. I think there are definitely going to be, as with any new technology, there are going to be risks involved. There are going to be barriers, but I see all of those as opportunities for education and learning. Uh, and it's a very exciting space to be in right now. It certainly is. It's kind of interesting to, um, I mean, I've heard about this for, for, for a while. I don't think it's uh, people called it what we call it today. Uh, a few years ago, but but the concept, right? And, and certainly, there's going to be companies who are pushing back on giving the power back to the consumer. And and of course, as we know in North America, we don't necessarily have a lot of the laws they have in Europe, right? To to protect consumers or or whatnot. Now, when I'm listening to you, I'm hearing a couple. First of all, the dollar for dollar uh, definition of what a, a NFT is not is fantastic. It's probably the best definition, best explanation I've ever heard makes so much more sense than some of the other gobbledygook I've heard out there. Uh, but, but I'm also hearing there's really two ways to think about it, right? We have the creators, like the people who make money from whatever their content is, whether that's a piece of art, whether that's content, books, podcasts, whatever it might be. So we have those, right? Makes total sense that they want to own their content. They want to get it, you know, figure out a way to to monetize it differently. Seems like there's an opportunity there, right? In, in short. Cool. And then, of course, we have people where, where I mostly play who are, even though I play in this area too, especially with this show, uh, we have people in corporate marketing who could care less whether they ever make a direct dollar of their content, right? They do podcasts because it drives the business to whatever else they're selling. Uh, they do their blog because that's that helps them sell the other thing that they're selling. But is there an opportunity for those corporate content creators, corporate content marketers as well in this new, this new uh, system? Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of the big innovation is going to come from those corporate content marketers, content creators, because they're going to have opportunities to do very innovative things. And just looking at some of how like Nike is getting deep into the metaverse and into NFTs, they purchased a company last year that just makes shoes in the metaverse. Uh, they paid upwards of $30 million to acquire this company. And now they are creating shoes that your avatar can wear in the metaverse. They're giving opportunities to create digital twins of these. So now they're selling twice as many products. And only one of those is actual physical product. And I think brands are going to start figuring out different ways to tokenize or incentivize their community and create these co-ownership and co-collaboration models. These co-creation opportunities that have never existed before, where you could create a group from your biggest you know, uh, community, from your biggest fans, from your biggest consumers, 
and work with them to let them start coming up with new ideas, new products, new solutions that specifically address issues that they have. And then if one of those actually goes to market, they could actually share in the revenue from that. So just imagine the ability to incentivize your community by offering opportunities for this co-creation, co-ownership. I've seen more loyalty spring up in these Web3 communities where people are all just working together, not getting paid. Sometimes they're getting rewarded with token, but when they get rewarded with those tokens, they don't turn around and cash them out. They hold on to them because they want the extra utility, the extra value that they get from holding more coins within that community. Sometimes it gives them access to different opportunities, different projects within the community. If you hold a certain number of coins, then you qualify to co-author a book with 20 other people. One of the communities I'm in is, is actually doing that. And then when the book comes out, you're going to split the profit between all these different people. Now, these are not people in a specific company. They're just a variety of different content creators from all over the landscape who are all in that community, all sharing in that experience. So I think for brands, it's going to create a lot of different opportunities. And we're just starting to tap into some of the potential, some of the solutions I think we're, you know, especially as the metaverse gets more uh, widespread as, you know, adoption of these digital wallets, of using these NFTs and tokens becomes more commonplace. And I, I don't think they're going to be referred to as NFTs uh, for very long. I mean, Starbucks, you know, just launched their loyalty rewards program, which is an NFT program. I think more and more brands are going to start referring to these projects outside of the web three language and just use language that their consumers are, are used to hearing. Very, very interesting. I, there's a, certainly a little bit of a gamble too, right? I mean, when you think about when you mentioned Joe's uh, conference earlier, right? So you have a lifetime pass and of course the lifetime is yet to be determined because as far as we know, he might not have a conference next year and you, you know, you just bought the lifetime pass for one conference, but, or it could take off like Content Marketing World did and go on forever and ever. And you can use it for the next 30 years or, or whatever it might be. Um, so you kind of have to think about that, too, a little bit. Now, when we talk about the metaverse, so that's interesting um, to me um, is I've looked into how do I do a live show on the metaverse? And I I appreciate how much weight I lost on the metaverse, and <laughs> but I'm not necessarily a fan of the audio yet and i'm i'm slowing down there because i can't remember the name of the the what it's actually called now um spatial audio right the spatial yep. audio in concept makes sense to me but it's kind of weird to listen to um it's kind of like you know the the whole vr experience when it comes to visual content makes total sense to me but um how do you integrate it into your consumption of content, right? I mean, I'm sitting here, I can consume content right and left and everywhere, right? Uh, but but for me to consume VR content, I got to get up and get my headset over there, which is collecting dust, put that on and then figure out how do I make sure it actually works? So how do we think about the metaverse when it comes to, uh, you know, Web3? Uh, how, how do we create content there? And And why the heck are people buying I love Nike, but why are people buying Nike shoes for their avatar? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, it's a status 
symbol. It's the same as buying a Rolex or, you know, owning a BMW. It's some people see that as a way to signal success, as a way to signal the value that they have. So, and, and I think the metaverse is an evolving frontier for sure. I mean, the Web3 technologies are really kind of back in the dial-up modem phase right now. We're really just figuring out there's a lot of things that are going to need to be done to get these technologies to the point where they're easy to implement, easy to use, easy to consume, where we break down a lot of those barriers that we face now. But I think it's all exciting room for innovation from a variety of different companies who are going to figure out how to solve each one of these different problems and different developers out in the world who are going to be able to solve these problems openly and interoperably on the blockchain and share each other's code. And the blockchain provides opportunities for open source like we've never seen before where one person can create a concept that works on that blockchain and everyone else can utilize that. So I think the, the rate of acceleration, the rate of development for the technology is going to be faster than we've seen on a lot of previous technologies. I think the ability to create these environments, and that's, that's really what content marketing is going to be in Web3. It's going to become an experience. It's not going to be you go into a virtual mall and you go around and you look at shoes that you want to buy. You're going to go onto a basketball court and you're going to watch Michael Jordan wearing those shoes doing dunks. And then when he's done, you can put the shoes on and you can challenge him to a game. So there's going to be just different new opportunities. And I think the important thing for content creators, content marketers to start thinking about now is how these technologies work, how they work together. I mean, we've had metaverse experiences before, Fortnite, Roblox. Those are metaverses. Those are VR, interactive, sustainable, permanent worlds. But once you start tying in the blockchain and the ability to prove ownership and to show what digital assets you own and to be able to create those personalized experiences, I think those are going to create fundamental changes in a lot of these environments. They're going to create new opportunities. I know that Apple just announced that they're coming out with a AR VR headset, which will be, you know, probably I'm sure an advancement on the Oculus and technology is going to improve. It's going to be easier pretty soon. We're just going to be wearing glasses. We're going to be able to switch between the AR and the VR experience. So you're going to be driving in your car. You're not going to need to look at your phone anymore to see your directions. They're just going to be overlaid on your world. And then when you want to, not when you're driving, obviously, you'll be able to switch to a full VR experience and, you know, interact with people, shop, experience different entertainment uh, venues, and all of those different areas are going to need marketing, going to need content. So I think it's it's an incredible new arena that we're looking at. And I know a lot of people dismiss when, when I have these conversations, a lot of people are very dismissive of cryptocurrencies and NFTs. They just see it as funny money and overpriced JPEGs. But the technology, the fundamental technology behind Web3 is not going away. And it's creating more and more opportunities. And we see more and more brands 
getting into these areas and playing around with this technology. And I think it's just a huge resource for community building and for creator growth. What's interesting is uh, it's so easy to be dismissive of anything that you don't understand, right? So it's always, it's so important to just keep an open mind, trying different things. Uh, and especially when the return on effort is relatively low, right? So I'll give you an example. I mean, live streaming used to be so much harder. I mean, so much more difficult than what we're doing today, right? I mean, we're doing this whole thing in a web browser. I'm the producer. I'm the host. You, you're the one sharing all the knowledge. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, we have to be open to trying those things. We have to be open to, I mean, I'm, I'm currently, I have Christoph's Content Corner, which is a new podcast, but it's a complete AI voice to speech, right? I don't, it's not me. It's Matthew officially, the AI reporter, Matthew. And I'm just playing around. I'm just seeing what's working. Are people listening to it? They are, which is surprising to me. I could have dismissed it. So don't dismiss all these different things, try them, see what works, see what doesn't work and, you know, see how you can fit it in. Brian, of course, people can connect with you on Twitter, LinkedIn, et cetera. Anywhere else, where should people reach out if they want to stay connected with you? BrianWPiper.com is my website. You can learn more about PiperCoin and uh, upcoming book mm -hmm. on there. Yeah. And the upcoming book is Epic Content Marketing, the second edition coming out February 2023. Joe Polizzi wrote the first edition. And so certainly that's awesome to see that you're involved with the second edition on that. Uh, everyone, check that out. It's available on Amazon um, right now. Thank you so much. Nice to see you, Brian. Thank you, Christoph. It's a great conversation. Appreciate it. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.